Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me live right now in the podcast studio. And you know what? This is the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn cities upside down. How are we doing that? The word, my friends, getting into the word. It's the only thing that's given us strategies. It's the only thing that will get us moving. We can get out there and join what Jesus is doing. Hallelujah. You know what he said? He said, go into all the world and deliver the good news. Oh, friends, it's fascinating. Absolutely amazing what he's doing. We're thankful to be a part of it. Uh, Hey, I want to bring your attention to something here. Uh, We started producing CDs. That's right, compact discs. You know, they're still all over the place, and uh, people are saying, hey, uh, I would love to listen to your podcast, but I don't do the digital thing, you know. Um, Would you have a CD available? So we said, yeah, we'll produce... CDs, I got one right here, episode 108, and this was Obstructions to Seeing in the Spirit. That was a great episode, and uh, here's what we'd like to do. If you know somebody that would be blessed by a particular podcast episode, uh, but they don't have access to it digitally, you know, via one of the podcast platforms, we're everywhere, or they don't have Facebook or YouTube, whatever, we're on those platforms, uh, you know what, then we'll just mail them a CD at no charge. It would be our honor to do that, so let us know. Uh, if that would be a blessing to you or somebody that you know, and we'll get that right out to them. Hallelujah. All right, let's jump into this today. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for um, uh, uh, praying for us that like today, like this episode, that it's it's getting to the appropriate people wherever. It's all over the world right now. And uh, let's believe it goes further, deeper. Hallelujah. More people would be blessed by it in the name of Jesus. All right, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, this is something I've been doing. I've been examining myself. And uh, I've asked myself some hard questions. Uh, You know, we even did a podcast here recently where uh, I titled it Arrest Selfish Ambition. And, you know, I think it's appropriate, uh, you know, from time uh, time to time. And I'm going to read you a verse here in just a, a second that actually, you know, substantiates what I'm saying, that we would check inside, evaluate. Let's make sure we're on track, and uh, let's make sure we're keeping the main thing the main thing. And so uh, this verse is going to encourage us to do that very thing, and we should not uh, be afraid of doing some self-examination. Here's what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Wow. <laughs> you know, our faith is precious. We're told to hold, to cling to that. And so he's saying, do some self-inspection here. Find out if you're even in the faith. He goes on to say, test yourselves. Uh, The Amplified Classic says, examine, test, and evaluate your own selves to see whether or not, we could add, you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. And then he goes on to say, test and prove yourselves. All right, contextually, you know, this passage is literally saying that you and I can examine and observe through testing whether or not we are even born again, whether or not we're even saved. It goes on to say that we can uh, uh, experientially recognize whether Jesus is in us or not. Hallelujah. That's what that verse literally says. Oh, that's fascinating, friends. You know, some people question whether or not they're even born again. Well, how do you know if you're born again? How do you know? First John chapter 3, verse 14 says it like this. We know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love our brethren. He who does not love abides Amplified adds, remains, is held, and kept continually in spiritual death. How do you know you are born again? Well, I'm telling you, something comes up from the inside of you. Uh, Love comes up from the inside of you. And the very presence, the reality, the recognition 
the observance, the yielding to that love. I'm telling you, friends, it's proof, one of them, that you are born again. Are you born again? Wow. You know, we can know. We don't have to go around wandering. And this is what's amazing because, you know, testing, examining, improving ourselves, uh, don't slip under the negative connotation to that. Like, this is fascinating. This is phenomenal that you and I would be able to experientially prove Jesus is on the inside of us. Like, that would be amazing to have that confidence and assurance that can be proven out by testing. And I'm telling you, love is a great way to test or prove whether or not you're born again. Recently, um, somebody was relaying to me an experience that they were having, and there was a situation that they were facing where they simply wanted to be upset and frustrated about it. But as they were telling me the story, they were saying, like, as they were kind of in this, you know, in this, in the middle, you know, basically of going just straight on frustrated, upset, angry, or whatever about this particular situation, they said, up from within themselves, they heard the Spirit saying, have compassion, release compassion in this situation. And, you know, as I was reflecting back on that, you know, I didn't know the particular details, but as I'm hearing them relay the story and as, as I'm reflecting uh, on that, something, um, uh, I realized something. Uh, and the Lord said, as I was contemplating what they were saying, the Lord said this, you have evidence that they are born again. Like, that's what the Lord was showing me. Like, did, did you hear what they were saying? They were frustrated. They were upset. They were angry about this situation. But up from within, out of their spirit, their conscience, something come up. And it was saying, have compassion. And that's what the Lord was saying. Like that right there. You have evidence that that particular person is born again because love was coming up out of their spirit and trying to give them counsel in this situation. Again, up from within the spirit came a wisdom, came a leading, up came good counsel. Love came up for their brethren in this circumstance. That's exactly what 1 John 3, 14 says. You can know you've passed from death into life. You can know that you are born again because love, love is a counsel, love is a wisdom, love is a force that comes up out of your spirit. It wouldn't have been in there if you weren't born again. They would have not had that thought to love their brother, this other person, their neighbor, if they were not born again. If they had nothing of love and life on the inside of them, they would have just went with the works of the flesh or the fruit of the flesh, which is what? Hatred, indifference, contention, strife, division. No, something out of their spirit. Was, uh, was giving them direction. They were being led. And, you know, f- from my understanding of the situation, they did yield to it. Now, you and I don't always yield immediately to it. We can. We don't always. Uh, sometimes the way of the flesh seems right. <laughs> Remember what Proverbs said. There is a way that seems right, but the end of that is death. I mean, if you track... The flesh, it's going to get you over into stuff that you don't want to be in. But here was this love that come up. They're born again. Hallelujah. And uh, it's not that I doubted whether or not this person was born again, but just in reflecting over that situation, the Lord said right there, you have evidence that they're born again. What evidence, Lord? Their, their own testimony, that something from within them. They were wanting to be upset about the situation, but something within them said, have compassion. That is what? Christ on the inside. <laughs> that's what 2 Corinthians 13.5 is all about. That's, that's what we're looking for, the fruits of our faith. Some people go, man, am I even born again? Are you able to examine, test, and prove out that the fruits of that faith, the fruits of that claim, the reality of the work of Christ in you, have you been able to locate, substantiate, yes, that has come up from within me, and I acted on it. When maybe I used to, wouldn't have acted on it. You know, somebody, uh, you know, I've heard different stories like this before. Somebody said, you know, man, I hated so-and-so. But then I got born again, and the next time I thought about them, 
I lo- there was something changed. It's like I didn't have that hatred toward them. Yeah, because now you had a force on the inside of your spirit that you didn't have before. And, you know, prior to being born again, you just led around by the flesh. You, you were in bondage to the flesh, to the lust, the corruption. But after being born again, you still have the flesh. But now you've got a force on the inside of you that can take its rightful place as the dominant influence in your life. And so many people are, are like, it's so like, uh, what's the word here? It's like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like they come into this reality of like, whoa, that's real. That wasn't there before and there, and, and now it's there, you know, now. It's there now, wasn't there. That's amazing, friends. And that's the confidence that you and I need. Uh, and this is why we're examining ourselves. We're seeing through testing, through proving, if the fruits of that which we claim is, is, is there, is evident, like we yield to it. Now, you can have it and not yield to it, and maybe we'll weave some of that into our conversation here. But I'm telling you, at least knowing, hallelujah, we should act on it, but at least knowing, wow, my spirit man, where the Holy Spirit is, it's helping me. It's giving me insight and understanding on a whole nother way of living. That's tremendous. Uh, what confidence that we would have to be able to recognize that and know that we could trust in that counsel. You know, love is a counsel. Love is a wisdom. Love is a force. Love is a leading. And we can trust that leading every time. Again, it would be good from time to time for us to be somewhat self-aware and introspective of no, uh, enough to recognize Jesus on the inside. Are we even born again? The Bible says that you can know, friends. Some some people, you know, they just go through the motions. They maybe they acquiesce or they comply with, you know, the the request of someone else. Maybe like uh, the request of their spouse or their children or some of the external thing that they don't want to disappoint, upset or agitate. I'm talking about people who just go through the motions of Christianity or, you know, they, they, they show up to church, but why do you show up to church? You know, going to church doesn't make you saved any more than standing in the garage makes you a vehicle. You've probably heard that before, right? I mean, what are are you just going through the motions or do you know, do, do you know that Christ is on the inside of you? Why would we go to church? Um, other than just you know clocking in and getting a you know you know a star or free pizza for per- perfect attendance, it's because the Bible Jesus says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together the gathering of the believers together, because we cause each other to grow and we spur one another uh, uh, unto love and good works. Like we go to church because on the inside, out from the Spirit, we desire. He wrote that law, if you will. Don't forsake getting together with the family. That's why we go to church as a believer, not because we're just clocking in or checking in or doing our duty. No, no, no. But if you are just going through the motions, you know, we're trying to get to the bottom of this is number one, are you even born again? I mean, I've heard so many stories of even pastors who had been leading churches for years and weren't even born again. How do you even do that? You're just going through the motions. Like it's learned behavior. It's memorization. It's repeating. You know, people are doing that. They wake up, put on their clothes, go to church. They sit sit for an hour, get tired, get hungry. They're done. Clock out, go home. You know what I mean? You just It's learned behavior. It's patterns. I'm not saying it's all bad. But at the end of the day, if you don't know him, all these other things, then they're just going to get burned up. There's no reward associated with yielding to the spirit of life that's been written in your in your own spirit, in your own DNA of your born-again spirit. Hallelujah. So some people are just going through the motions, acquiescing, complying with the requests of their spouse. Wives are being drugged to church. Husbands are being drugged to church. Kids are being drugged to church. Whoever is being drugged to church or whatever because they don't want to disappoint or some of the external whatever. They don't want to upset or agitate. But what about him who knocks at the door of our heart? Revelation 3.20, Jesus, he's knocking. By the way, that door only opens from the inside, friends. He's not going to kick the door down. Again, this 
would substantiate free will. Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. You could reject him or open up the door. Nobody is forced or coerced into anything, at least not by Jesus. Now, your wife or your husband or whatever, maybe they're forcing you to do stuff. You know, the devil forces. Fear forces. Love leads. Faith follows. Fear forces. So maybe you are being manipulated in your life by fearful circumstances or people or dominant, you know, manipulative people in your life or whatever. But um, but you can stand up to that at any time, by the way. But the greater point I'm trying to make is, you know, Jesus is not kicking the door down, but he is knocking. And uh, Jesus doesn't force his way into our hearts, but yet he does persist in knocking. You know, Jesus, while he may not be invited inside, he's no stranger to most people. And maybe I'm talking to you today. He's no stranger to you, even though you've never invited him in. You know, he's standing on the proverbial porch of your heart. He's knocking. But here's what's interesting. He's the ever-present observer, though, watching as many other guests of philosophy, concept, ideology, codes, creeds, beliefs, and values have the door flung open to them, and they're invited in to peddle their hypothesis, but yet Jesus stands respectfully waiting to be invited in, friend. Hallelujah. Don't delay. Invite Jesus in today. Jesus said, He would write his law within our heart. I mean, this is part of the new covenant, that it wouldn't be laws on stone tablets. It would be laws inscribed on the flesh of our heart in the born-again spirit, in our born-again spirit. If you're not born again, I'm telling you, he will totally recreate your spirit. He will give you a heart of flesh. And in that heart, in that new heart, in the DNA, He will write his law. And he told us what the primary law is. He says the law of love. He's going to write that in your heart. This is what he wants wants to do, friend. And for you and I who are born again, this is what we're saying. We're using this as a test. I, I don't, I guess I'm calling it the love test. Can you recognize Jesus on the inside? You say, I got saved. I got born again X amount of years ago. Uh, We'll have you experientially proven that out. The Bible says you can. And the presence of love, the wisdom, the counsel, the leading, the unction, the force of love that comes up from within. I'm talking about right in the middle of a crazy situation. You're in an argument. Okay, you're you're in this, you, you, you got worked up about something. Maybe between you and your spouse, you and your children, you and your coworker, you and your boss, you and whoever, it doesn't matter. The force of love. And you're in the middle of this. Are you able at any time, have you been able to recognize suddenly from within love goes, no, forgive. You know, love comes up and says, no, no, hey, 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 don't keep a record of wrongs. Love jumps up there and counsels you and says, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. You don't believe that. And that's a lie. Anyways, don't, don't hold, hold your tongue, hold your tongue. You know, did, has love ever come up and say, hey, take a break, man. Take a break. You're trying to force your will in this situation you need to back up homie has have you been able to recognize like cognitively you wanted to punch this joker in the face but love says no 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 hey calm down this is what we're talking about here we're examining are we even of the faith can we locate can we pinpoint where the fruits of that which we claim has been made available to us in the middle of these crazy moments. That, my friends, is proof that you were born again. Now, again, you may be born again and not have yielded to it. And that's where repentance comes in, right? That's where coming to him and say, whoa, hey, I blew it. This is where apologizing, right? This is where asking for forgiveness and extending forgiveness comes into play here. Hallelujah. Look at John 13, 34. Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Galatians 5.14, I'm going to read it to you from the Expanded Bible. It says, the whole law is made complete, summed up, and fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hallelujah. And you know what? He even 
uh, went a step further. Like he didn't just hand us law on stone tablets, not in this new covenant. In this new covenant, he handed us a brand new heart. He said, I'm going to reach in there and I'm going to recreate your spirit, man. And while I'm in there, I'm going to write this law. What law? The law of love. I'm going to write it in the DNA of your spirit. And what that has afforded us, friends, is counsel from heaven at all times. Like our own spirit now delights in that way of living. Uh, You know, for example, like when we had the Ten Commandments on stone, by the way, the love law fulfills those. Okay, so in essence... Those laws are taken care of by the law of love. So it still don't kill people, right? I mean, it still don't covet your neighbor's wife. It still don't commit adultery. It's still all those things. Um, but he's saying, I, I, I have summed it all up, basically, in love. And he said, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm not just going to hand this to you and say, all right, figure it out in the flesh. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to put it in your heart and... Every, of course, he's not talking about our blood pump. You know what I'm saying? He's not talking about our physical heart that pumps blood around our body. But if we kind of play around with that metaphor or analogy, he said, every time your heart beats, it'll beat with love. Like you, you can't escape it because it's not just like this stone tablet. You're going to hang on the wall and look at it and try to, you know, wrestle your flesh to obey it. No, he said, it's going to come from within that it will be a force from within What about love, friends? Can you test and prove experientially if Christ is on the inside of you? Yes, you can, because love is a testimony that you're born again. Again, it's not some stone tablet. That was useful. That was phenomenal. Those laws haven't been done away with. They've been fulfilled in the love command. So love will lead you to not steal from your neighbor. Love is a guidance. It's a counsel. You know, you're looking over there at the neighbor's, you know, lawnmower. Love will say, hey, don't uh, hop on that joker, start it up and take it over to your house. You know what I mean? <laughs> you will not steal from somebody because love, you out of this force of love comes such an appreciation uh, for the blessing of God in their life. You know what I mean? You're looking at your neighbor and go, man, praise God for them. You know, and then you're going, man, what if they're born again? You know, and if they are born again, then we do good, especially to the household of faith. Wow. You know, we, we instead of stealing his lawnmower, we're going to go buy him some new tires for it. You know what I mean? We're going to pay to have an oil change. You, you know, hey, let, 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 let me buy you a new set of blades for, the, for, for that thing. Yeah, I mean, love would come up with various ways to encourage, equip, believe in. Uh, you know, help support, champion. Uh, that love is a counsel, friends. Love doesn't say to go, yeah, man, you really love this guy, so go steal his wife. You know what I mean? Love doesn't go, yeah, man, you just, you're, you're, you're so thankful for this guy. Go steal his cars. You know what I mean? Go find his wallet and take a 20 out of it. You know I mean, love doesn't do that. It doesn't count it, because it doesn't violate. Love fulfills all those commands of these interpersonal uh um, you know, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? These interpersonal um, relationships, activities, our interactions with one another, it becomes a way, a way we relate to one another. Love is proof you've passed from death into life. Now, now I'm not talking about like a natural fleshy, carnal love, because the world has a love, and they talk about love all the time. Oh, love, 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 love. But you cannot appropriately apply love unless you have the God of love himself on the inside, unless he himself has written that law in your heart. There is a carnal outworking that they call love, but at the end of the day, it is selfish. It is self-centered. I'm telling you, that love can quickly become a hate, uh, if, you know, there's a violation of what, you know, the, the protocols that the person has constructed in their own mind, right? You know, they're claiming tolerance until they don't tolerate you anymore. So there's this carnal, uh, demonic, devilish form 
of love out here in the world. But that's not the love that we're talking about. First Corinthians chapter 13 uh, is a great place to go and get a huge you know, download of what love is and what love does. And we may get to that before we get um, over with the podcast today. But I want to say this, that here he said, I'm going to give you a new heart. And in the DNA of that heart, he said, I'm going to write my laws in your heart. And then I'm going to put that heart in you. And so there's no way around it. Like it, it will become you. It will become part of you. And then he says this, he said, I'm going to take a step further. Further, He said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write it in your heart, but then I'm going to pour my own love into your heart. That's in Romans 5, 5. It says, hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So again, uh, Holy Spirit's in there. He's regenerated our spirit, but then love is in there and we can be led of love. God is love. We can be led of love. And I'm, I'm not talking about this love out of our head. This carnal flesh of love. I'm talking about the love out of our heart. It's a counsel that comes up. It's a force that comes up. Um, several years ago, uh, I was asked to do some uh, pre-marriage counseling with a couple who, you know, wanted to to be married, and that's something I don't do, by the way. <laughs> but I wound up accepting this uh, opportunity here. And uh, this proposed marriage was going to be his fourth or fifth, I think fourth or fifth, I don't remember, and her second. So it was like his fourth or fifth and her second. And in this very first meeting that I had with them, I said, you know, we sat down at a table and they sat across from me. And I said at this meeting, I said, hey, this marriage, uh, statistically speaking, uh, was already poised for failure. And uh, that was based upon, you know, the current national average in the United States. Uh, first marriage failure is 50%. So this is what statistically, that's, this is what they're saying. Of all people that get married, it seems, uh, based on the research, 50% of first marriages fail. That's in the United States currently. And this is even among the church, which is sad. I mean, it's a sad thing. Uh, 67% of second marriages fail. 74% of third marriages fell, and a massive 93% of fourth marriages end in failure or end in divorce. Wow. I mean, those are sad stats. Uh, there's probably some margin of error there, but uh, wow, that is, I mean, that is shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And uh, from what I understand, the vast majority of people they don't seem to intentionally plan to better themselves. It, it, it seems they simply plan to fail better. And this is why I think we see so many of these marriages fail, and then second marriages, third marriages, fourth marriages. It seems like the, the priority is just to mitigate losses. Um, another way of saying this is that most people are obsessed with protecting themselves from the inevitability of failure. And in doing so, unfortunately, they tend to live very selfish, ambition, uh, ambitious, or even depressed lives because they're constantly tr just trying to mitigate the losses of impending failure. Rather than having this outlook of, hey, no, we're bettering ourselves and we have a vision for success, uh, people just kind of fall into this crazy cycle of just loss. It's like it's inevitable. Failure is inevitable. Well, in this first meeting I had with these, these people, uh, you didn't have to be a prophet to see the writing on the wall. Like they were poised, you know, for, you know, probably for, for, for failure, you know. And uh, this is what I said. I, 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 I said, look, you have nothing of any real substance in your life right now, at least, that you are both committed to that can serve as an arbiter and a counsel for when the other claims foul play. It'll always be you against the other and vice versa, unless you both together choose to build your life upon something that will become a bedrock foundation that you will answer to, you will be held accountable to, and that will serve as the final authority 
that you both will submit to and honor as the definitive answer for any and all questions concerning your marriage. I reached over in that meeting and I grabbed my Bible and I suggested that they give their lives to Jesus and to his word. I told them, if you do, you'll learn how to really love each other and you'll never suffer another divorce. Now, to some people, I realize that you know, my premarriage counseling techniques may have seemed extremely harsh, but I wanted to get to them. Like I wanted to give them a real picture. True love only comes from the Father. True love can only be received, downloaded, um, imprinted in you from him. And if you don't get it from him, then whatever you're calling love uh, is not going to hold you guys together. Um, God is love. And I wanted them to know. I wanted to have them to have a reality check because, you know, I didn't want to be a part of something, you know, marrying some, some, somebody that was just going to, you know, go on for a few, few days and just totally end in crazy, you know, chaos. I wanted to actually give them the truth of saying, look, are, are, are you tired? Are you done? Are you exhausted with these endless relationships that don't ever work out? Are you exhausted without, you know, uh, of living your life without a true confident, uh, uh, being able to receive true love and then extend that to someone else? I, I mean, are, are you exhausted? Come on, from all these relationships that have just ended in failure? Well, then you got to build your life on something different. Obviously, what you've been doing hasn't been working. This is why I don't do marriage counseling, as you can tell. But uh, really, I wanted to, you know, get a thought. I wanted to be that messenger to them that, hey, Jesus will help you. Well, I'm glad to say that they've been married now for, I mean, gosh, I don't know how, how long, several years. This has been several years ago, and they have given their life to Jesus. They're phenomenal people now. Uh, you know, I, what I mean is they, they're living a phenomenal life in Christ Jesus. Totally happy. Their marriage is strong. And, uh, but, you know, they have Jesus as the sinner now. The word became the arbiter that something had to happen on the inside of them. You know, without having the, that law written on the inside of your heart, then it becomes subject to your own whims. You know, people say, well, this is love. Well, according to who? According to you. Nobody can meet those standards. It's always changing because it's protecting you. It's, it is a selfish connotation, not a selfless. And the God kind of love uh, is selfless. It, 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 is, it, it is a force that um, is out of this world. <laughs> it's not of this world. Hallelujah. You know, when I read 1 Corinthians 13, I'm, I'm going, wow. I mean, you want to go, who does this? Well, nobody in and of the flesh does it. It's of the spirit. It's of God. It's God's kind of love. And he said, man, I'll put that in you. Do you want it? He says, I'll give it to you. I'll pour it out in your heart. Hallelujah. Uh, so we can test ourselves. Are we actually of the faith? What would we look for to observe and to test and to prove? What would be the evidence that we're truly of the faith? I'm telling you again, love is a force that flows from the born-again spirit. Do we recognize it and do we yield to it? 1 Corinthians 13, let's go here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, verse 1. Now, I think, yes, we'll start out here, a couple verses in the New King James, but then we'll swap over to the Amplified Classic. It says this, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, and he's referring to God's love here, not, not, not our flesh-conjured-up form. Um, it's, it'd be a counterfeit, but not our flesh-conjured-up love, a selfish, natural fleshy love. No, he's talking about the love of God. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now you can be born again and lean over here to this flesh form of love. This is what he's saying here. You may be born again. That's why you're speaking in tongues. You may have the spirit. That's why you're speaking in tongues. But he said, if you don't uh, yield to 
and allow the love from within to dominate you, but you're over here in this carnal form of love. He said, you can be born again, but yet oh, not yielding to the God kind of love that's on the inside of you. And he says, when you do that, though, it just it taints everything. You become annoying, very annoying. And though I have the gift of prophecy, verse 2, and understand all mysteries and may even have all knowledge, and though I, I might even have all faith that I could remove mountains even, but have not love, what is it? I am nothing. Wow, that's strong. Verse 3, even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, if I surrender my body to be burned uh, in order that I may glory but have not love, the Amplified says, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Again, you can be born again. You can do these things. But if you don't yield to the counsel of love, the force of love that flows out of your born-again spirit, you haven't gained anything. If you just fall back to the flesh carnal way of protecting what's yours, your ambitions, your selfish goals, desires, lusts, whatever, you can be over here doing, quote, spiritual things, but if you're not, uh, if, if those works don't flow out of the love of God, then you've gained nothing. Whereas he says here, verse 4, love endures long, and while it's enduring, it's kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love never, never, never is envious. And love never boils over with jealousy. That's what I was talking about. You're sitting here and you're looking at your neighbor's stuff, and you're like, man, I deserve that. I want that. I'm going to steal it. Well, dude, you are not in love. I mean, you are not in love. You just violated the love command. Hallelujah. He said love doesn't boil over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. I think another translation says love doesn't brag. It's not braggadocious. You know, you're drawing attention to yourself all the time. Look at, look at what I've done. I, I mean, I, oh, my goodness. I mean, I've done it, I'm sure, but I'm thinking of this one kid back in school. Oh my goodness. You know, you, you know, that person, we were probably just like them, but I'm thinking of this other person. You know, I know I've done it, but man, that one kid, right? You it just, he had to tell you how awesome he was. You know what I mean? She had to tell you, uh, all the cool stuff that she has. I mean, just had to brag, 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 brag. We did this. We did that. I got this. I got that. I went here. I went there. I know them. I know them. I mean, brag, 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 brag. Love doesn't do that. Man, love does not draw attention to itself. Love does not display itself haughtily. You know, we've been cautioned about being high-minded. You know, we don't, we're not just, you know, we're not displaying ourselves in a prideful, arrogant manner. We, love, would uh, choose a more conservative approach. Love would take a more reserved approach. You know, we're not talking about you know, uh, let me bring this in, in here. This applies to both men and women, but we're talking about adorning ourselves. You know, men do it. You know what I mean? Fix our hair, our beard. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, clothing, you know, uh, accessories, you know, etc. And we're admonished in the Bible. We're, we're not told that outward adornment is wrong, but in a compare and contrast, if you're going to, adorn something. He says, adorn the inward man. All right. And so love has given us some ideas here. Don't display yourself haughtily. Rather, adorn yourself with humility, right? Nothing wrong with having things, you know. I like watches, for example. I like hats, you know. You know, I like some of my accessories. But the caution here is love, though, would be a check. You would, you would examine, hey, what, how am I doing in this area? Am I trying to draw attention to myself? Am I bragging by displaying all my stuff, my stuff, my things, my bling? You know, am I bragging? Am I using these things as status symbols? You know, when I take a picture of myself, what, what, what am I trying to portray? Am I trying to portray how amazing I am? You know, how rich I am? You know, back when we were in school, it's how rich your parents were, right? Everybody was trying to get over how rich my parents, you know, how influential my parents were. You know, or even today we name drop. Hey, I know so-and-so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I 
By the way, just because you were within 10 feet of them doesn't mean you're best buddies, right? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, I mean, but we, you understand, we wrestle through these things, and love is a force, a counsel within us that checks us. Like, hey, hey, yo, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what are you trying to do here? And uh, so, again, nothing wrong with adorning our outward man, but if, but if we're going to err, Okay, it would be better to err to adorn the inward man. I'm telling you, the inward man loves the clothing of humility. Hallelujah. All the articles of humility, okay, all the articles that would lend, the tools that would lend to serving another. I'm telling you, the inner man loves those kinds of tools, those accessories, that adornment that would put me in a position to serve another, to think, uh, to prefer another over myself, to let somebody go first. Like, I'm going to adorn my inner man with letting people go in front of me. I don't have to be the first one in the food line. I don't have to be the first one, right? Listen, that awkward, like, hey, no, you go first. No, no, you, that's healthy, okay? That's healthy, right? And everybody knows that it's going to be this awkward, hey, you go, you go first. So don't preempt that by assuming, well, you'll just go first. I'm saying join the awkwardness by going, hey, no, no, no. I don't want to go first. I want you to go first. Like, live into the tension of trying to serve someone else over yourself first. Um, now, principally, what we would do is we would look for whoever or whatever is in a head position in our midst. Humility, hum humility does this. Humility locates the object of honor within our midst. Okay. And then humility would position ourselves in relationship to that which has the highest honor in the moment. Uh, this could be, um, you know, like the head of the home. This could be the father, say. Okay. Uh, this could be the employer. This could be the leader. If you're a leader of a team. And so it's good that the body learns, embraces this adornment of service to whatever or whoever is the object, the highest object of honor in our presence. Humility locates that. You step into a room. We had a parable or an actual story. Jesus used this story to get across the kingdom principle to us. When you go into a place, don't assume that you sit at the head table. Take the low seat. It's better that somebody would recognize you in a low position and say, hey, whoa, no, 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 you come up. You come up to the front. That is way better than assuming you're the object that gets to go first. You're the object that has the, the high honor in the moment. You're the object of attention. And then somebody say, wait, 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 hey, hey, you know, sister, hey, bro, uh, can you go ahead and sit in the back seat because somebody else actually is sitting there. You understand what I'm saying here? We're love. Love plays a huge role in all of this. It's not trying to draw attention to itself. Hallelujah, somebody. Huh? Hallelujah. Um, right here, verse 5. Love is not conceited. Arrogant. It's not inflated with pride. Uh, it is not rude. It is not unmannerly. Love is not unmannerly, and it does not act unbecomingly. And, you know, we were ministering on this um, a couple weeks ago, and I just challenged myself, but I challenged our audience, and I'm challenging you now too. Like, what are common, commonsensical, what is common, universal uh, manners? Like, what are manners? You know what I'm saying? Like, we used to be taught them, you know, uh, don't eat with your elbows on the table. Or, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's various categories for manners. There's table et etiquette. Like, what happened to table etiquette? Uh, you know, maybe this is kind of real, real time with me because I have little children. And so we're recognizing, hey, you know, what are you, a, a pig here in a pigsty? You know what I mean? Like, hey, you got hands and a fork. You know what I mean? We're not, you know, we're not eating our food off our plates with our mouths, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, how do you hold yourself? You know, phone etiquette. What happened to that? You know, there used to be some phone etiquette. Uh, what about common, like, courtesy things? You know, hello, yes, sir. 
Uh, yes, ma'am. No, sir. Thank you. Please. Please and thank you. What happened to our please and thank yous? This is what I'm talking about. Like, there are universal. You can look them up. In fact, I got on YouTube and I was like, hey, what are like common uh, social, uh, I forget how I searched for it, but like, you know, like social manners and uh, several videos out there, people that are continuing to educate and train adults, like adults are having to be retrained <laughs> in this. These are just universal. They're common. But what is it? It's a byproduct of love, meaning, hey, I respect you. Like, uh, I, um, I'm thankful for you. I appreciate you. I respect you. I'm going to treat you in a way that is becoming, not unbecoming. I'm not going to flop myself around into your space and have a don't care attitude. Love wouldn't do that. Love would prefer the other over myself. And so the way I conduct myself, carry myself, you know, um, again, I'm just not flopping all of my stuff all up, you know, you know, appropriate uh, spatial boundaries here and just going, well, you need to get over that. Well, that's pretty arrogant, isn't it? So this, this is what I'm saying. Love, it's a check. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a way to examine ourselves. Are we even of the faith? What else does it say here? It says, uh, love prefers others before itself. Love lets others go first. Love will seek to serve rather than being served first. Um, love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Love in certain instances and circumstances may even give up its right in order for another to be blessed. Uh, and why is that? It says right here, because love, verse 5, is not self-seeking. It doesn't put self first. It doesn't seek self first. It might prefer another first. It's not touchy. Oof, Jesus, help us with that one, huh? It's not touchy. Love is not fretful. Love is not resentful. It takes no account. This one's tough. Wow. It takes no account of an evil done to it. It pays no attention. Oh, Jesus, to a suffered wrong. Oh, man, I've paid so much attention to a suffered wrong. I'll just be honest with you. Wow. I mean, I have suffered some wrongs that I paid a lot of attention to. And, you know, casting the care of that can be a real challenge. Um, you know, and I think I've done, I think I've probably could have done better in a couple situations, but, you know, like First Peter 5, is it? It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, casting the whole of your care. Well, the, you know, if you've been done wrong, hey, join the club, right? If somebody is, has obviously done you wrong, hey, welcome to the done wrong club, okay? We've done it to others, and it's been done to you. But what we're saying is, all right, I know it's painful. I know it's like glaring that I've suffered a wrong here, but what would love do? Love would cast the care of it over onto the Lord. Love would offer forgiveness to the situation. Um, you know, we're not saying you got to stay involved in a volatile, abusive situation, but we're saying love would say, wow, I know God has helped me. I pray God helps you. I'm going to cast the care of this over on to the Lord. I'm not going to allow it to continue to bother me or challenge me to get out of love. I've, I've got to do something with this to where I don't violate the love law. All right, verse 6, love does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Number 7, love bears up under anything and everything. Whatever love encounters, it does so with patience. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now, I want to add a thought to that because love isn't gullible as you and I would understand being gullible. Love is not gullible, but love chooses to live free of paranoia and suspicion. Now, though that's not in the Bible, but that's my, my additions to that, my additional thoughts to that. Love chooses to live free of paranoia and suspicion, meaning um, my initial approach here is just to think the best of this situation. I have no reason to read into paranoia or suspicion. I mean, if there's nothing that needs to be dealt with in love, is there no 
um, appropriate actions, responsibility needs to be taken here for, you know, somebody that's doing wrong, uh, then I'm just going to be free of paranoia and suspicion. Listen, we have to sleep at night, friends. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know about you, but I was getting exhausted being so concerned over every little this and that, reading into all this and that. Love really just helped me to just sleep at night. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that, uh, was this Psalm 127, I think it is. He says he gives, the Lord gives his beloved, the ones he loves, he gives them sleep. Hallelujah. I say, I take that. I take that sleep every night. Thank you, Father. Um, love, let's see, it bears up. Uh, under anything and everything, it's ever ready to believe the best. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. And then lastly, verse 8, it says, love never fails. Love will never fade out. It will never become obsolete, and it will never come to an end. Hallelujah. That's God's kind of love. You know, he, he loves us with that kind of love. And he says, that's the love I've written on the tablet of your heart. He said, that's, that's the love I'm going to hold you accountable to. He's saying, that's the love that's going to come out and counsel you. That's the love that's going to be leading you and guiding you in all situations. And he says, if you'll lean over on it, if you'll let that love dominate me, you know, the Lord said, I poured it out in your heart. Now let it come out of you. Like, it's, it's, it's not even, it's his love. Like, he's helped us. I know it can be challenging, depending on the situation or circumstance that you're in, but you know what? He put something in you to release into that situation. And that's where the rubber meets the road, friends. That's what we're checking. We're examining. Are we testing? Do I recognize it? And then number two, do I even yield to it? I pray you yield to it, friends. Oh, you'll be such a blessing to so many people. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for examining yourself, friends. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. Hey, if we can pray for you, join you in prayer. It would be our privilege to do so. Reach out to us. Send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. Wow, wow, wow. I'm still thinking about love. You know what? I love you, friends. And Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. Now go out and love somebody today. Forgive somebody today, friends. It'll help you. Hallelujah. Well, again, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be blessed.